Rich, thank you. Thanks very much indeed. So it's a great uh, pleasure, a privilege to be here. It was a couple of years, I think, since I've last been here, just before the pandemic uh, hit. And great to be able to speak on this amazing passage in Luke's Gospel. So we can flick on the first slide. The title, what we're going to be thinking about, is uh, Sowing the Kingdom. And uh, we're in that passage, it's actually not uh, a mark, because I realised we were in Luke, so switched it to Luke. That passage that Rich has just read to us um, from, from Luke's Gospel. So that's what we're going to be, be thinking about. Um, this is my tribe. If we can flick on the next one. Uh, my wife, Tammy, and uh, my two children, uh, Anastasia and Trinity, who are 10 and 8. And um, uh, basically, we, we've been in Oxford now for four years, been director of ministerial training at Wycliffe, as Rich, Rich said. Before that, I was on the staff of a church up in York, St. Michael Le Belfry in York. And um, uh, we, we had a great time up there. That was, and, and then we moved, moved down four years ago for my present role. Annie, who's 10, she was, she was developing a northern accent, even though she was born in Watford. She was developing a northern accent. So she used to say, Mummy, I want to go for the bus in a nice Yorkshire accent. And uh, um, since we've been in Oxford, that northern accent has completely been eradicated. So she now speaks the Queen's English. And uh, which some of you might think that's a good thing, maybe not a good thing. But there was a story I remember when I was a vicar in, in, in York and a young minister came for uh, coffee at the, at the house and Anastasia was there. And I was trying to give an example to this young minister of catechizing your children. It's good to teach your children the gospel worldview, isn't it? And so I, in front of this young minister, I said to Anastasia, who was then, gosh, what, six or five? She'd have been then. I said, Anastasia, how do you get to heaven? And uh, so she said, through faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, this young minister was quite impressed by that, that she knew that. And then my second question, I said, what happens if you don't give your life to Jesus Christ? And she says, well, you'll go to Hull, uh, she said. And um, he, he, thought, he thought she meant uh, the, the kind of the city in the northeast near York, Hull, uh, which obviously has got various urban deprivation problems. She, she obviously didn't mean that. She meant hell but uh, anyway so, so we don't have that problem anymore she speaks the Queen's English so uh, that's not um, an, is- an issue anymore but it's amazing to be here I say 25 years ago I got revved up in Oxford Cathedral served my curacy up the road Holy Trinity um, Hazelmere fond memories for that Stuart Reed was in the first service he met with me as a mentor when I was a curate and uh, so he, he got me on the straight and narrow so if you like the sermon today you can thank him uh, I met with Andy Lamb who was 15 and uh, so basically, if you don't like the sermon today, you can blame Andy because he probably sucked all the life out of me by coming to see me as a curate, age 15. And uh, no, great to see you guys here, here today. Um, so uh, anyway, let's, let's, let's pray. I'll pray. So Father, thank you that the entrance of your word gives light. And we pray, Father, that you might shine uh, your light in our hearts and in our minds, that we might be changed, that we might be transformed. Uh, Jesus, we ask it. For your name's sake, amen. So I said, didn't I, as an evangelist, I love this passage, the parable of the sower. But before we get into it, um, let's let's look at the first verse of Luke chapter 8, where it says this. It says, after this, it says, Jesus travelled about from town to village, uh, from one village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus, the God-man, Jesus, God in human form, travelled around from town to village, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus was an embodiment of the kingdom. As, as God in human form, 
He was an embodied, the, the, the embodiment of the kingdom. But he preached the gospel too. He proclaimed the euangelion, the, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, some of you, have any of you heard that quotation that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, where people quote him and they say, um, preach the gospel and use words if you must. Have you heard that? That one? So sometimes, anyway, I, don't, I think Francis of Assisi probably didn't say it. But, but sometimes I quote him in my lectures on evangelism and I say, Francis supposedly said this, preach the gospel, use words um, if you must. But you must. You know, with all, with, with, with all due respect to Francis of Assisi, you must. The gospel's not a mime act. We proclaim good news. And Jesus Christ was an embodiment of the kingdom and yet he proclaimed good news. So we're called to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm an evangelist, and uh, so I get to, as part of my gift, part of my calling, I get to lead people to Jesus um, uh, fairly, fairly often, um, which is really exciting, uh, exciting thing to do. Um, last one was, uh, last night I came to check into the Premier Inn here in Wickham, um, uh, and uh, basically I got chatting to the, the duty manager last night and uh, I, I'd just been to a memorial service. Uh, me and Stuart Reid had been doing a personal tribute at the memorial service for Greg Haslam. I don't know whether any of you have come across him. Actually, you guys, uh, he, part, he was your pastor, wasn't he? And um, an amazing, amazing, amazing man of God. And um, uh, so basically I, I rocked up and the guy, the duty manager last night had a big grin on his face. He's very friendly as you should be. And, uh, and he just said, have you had, hello, sir. He said, have you had a wonderful day? And I said, I've been to a memorial service. I said, because a friend of mine died. So obviously that, that kind of put a damper on things slightly. And, and he said, oh, I'm ser- terribly sorry to hear that, as is the, the appropriate response. And I said, oh, don't be. And I said, don't be, because we know he's gone to heaven. And uh, he was a bit slightly perplexed by, by this. Anyway, that, that got into me sharing about the good news with this, this guy. And... Uh, and uh, talked to him um, about the gospel and then at the end of the conversation it se- seemed he was interested it seems like the penny had dropped and I said would you like to pray to receive Christ and he said yes so I prayed for him there in the hotel lobby in the premier inn and he experienced he said joy and uh, peace he said I, I feel real peace this guy this guy said so the gospel um, is good news to everyone who believes and we're called to be ambassadors of good news now if you're not an evangelist, some of you, I think there'll be a few people here who are evangelists. What is an evangelist? An evangelist is, is a, a man or woman, it's not gender specific, a man or woman who has a primary gifting to, uh, to lead people to Christ or to communicate the gospel. And obviously some people will become Christians. Now a gospel, an evangelist might never stand on a stage. An evangelist might never wear his collar back to front, be a vicar. An evangelist might never work for a church. So evangelism is a, is, a, is a gift. So you could be a tinker, tailor, soldier, spy, you know, housewife, bank manager, and you could be an evangelist. It's a gift. It's a charism. And in fact, if, I said to someone at the first service, this guy came forward for prayer, and this guy's a businessman, and he said he thinks he's an evangelist. And, uh, and I, did I say to him, leave and join the ministry? No, I said, stay as a businessman unless God calls you out. Because actually, evangelists, we need more evangelists who are, who are living out their faith in the secular sphere. We're all called to ministry. Um, when people say, are you in the ministry? People say to me, oh, you're in the ministry. And I go, no, no, you're in the ministry too. If, if, you know, that we're, if you're a Christian, you were called to the ministry the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And most of us are called to live out our faith in the secular world. 95 or 96% of us in this country 
um, live out our faith in the secular world. About 6% of us are called to church-based ministry or mission partners and uh, whatever else. So actually, most of us live out our faith in the secular world. God called me to be ordained, but I used to wish I could be a layman. I remember saying that. I remember after I was ordained, if I want to be a layman, as in I want, in Anglia, you know, I want to go back not being a minister anyway. That's obviously not God's call for me. But, but you know, I think it's a great privilege to live out our faith in the secular world. And years ago, I used to run a, a thing called the Centre for Missional Leadership, which was in Watford. And the strapline of this centre was putting faith to work. And it was designed, it was a one-year course for people who were not called to church-based ministry, but that's the 96% of Christians who are called to live out their faith in the secular world. So if that's you, if, you're, if you work, most of, us, most of you do, then your place of work is not an alternative to mission, it's your chief sphere of mission. So my friend Stuart Reid, who some of you all know, I'm sure, uh, he used to say, I thought he made this up, but he just told me this morning that he, he nicked it from somebody else. But uh, it's all Holy Spirit copy, right, isn't it? He used to say to me, the only thing that's secular is sin. And uh, great quotation. The only thing that's secular is sin. If we have this dualism between the secular and the sacred, it owes more to platonic dualism than holistic Hebraic thought. Uh, that, that is to say, you know, Judeo-Hebraic you know, thought. So, so basically, everything is spiritual. Um, and uh, the only thing that's not spiritual is sin. The only thing that's secular is sin. So actually, it's, it's not second best if you're not a minister. In fact, the highest call is the call God calls you to. So C.H. Spurgeon, who I love, who doesn't? He's not alive anymore, obviously, but the great Baptist preacher, prince of preachers. He used to say, if God, if God calls you to be a preacher, why stoop to be a king? And I used, to love that. I used to love that as a young preacher. Yes, absolutely. If God calls you to be a preacher, why stoop? Why lower yourself to be a king? But you know, the same is true. If God calls you to be a bank manager, why stoop to be a king? The highest call is the call God calls you to. So we're all called to ministry. We're all called to mission. Now, um, so some of that I'm going to pepper today with a few stories of people who've come to Christ recently. Um, but please don't think, oh, I feel inadequate because I don't do that or I can't do that. I'm an evangelist. So obviously that's my gift. It's my calling uh, so please don't, as I'm speaking, don't think, oh, you know, I feel guilty, you know, evangelist is speaking, you know, pack your, pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip. You know, I don't want you to think that. What I want you to think is, where can I, where can I join in this glorious, great commission of living out the gospel of the kingdom of God? And some of you here will be evangelists, and I'm going to pray for you at the end. And uh, so some of you may be evangelists, I say you may never work for the church, it doesn't matter, your primary gifting is, is as an evangelist. Most of you are not. There might be, I don't know, a few in the last service, maybe four people in the room. Most of you will not be evangelists, um, but you're called to do the work of evangelism. And, uh, and, and so my, my provocation to you today is, is what form is that going to take? Is it that I gossip the gospel? Is it that I simply share my testimony? And by the way, your faith story, if you're not an evangelist, is probably your greatest weapon as a Christian who seeks to be a witness to Jesus Christ. Because nobody can argue with it. You know, you say, Jesus saved me. Nobody's going to go, ah, but what about this, this, this? You know, you're not, you're not giving them an argument to disagree with. You know, uh, you're simply telling your story. They may, they may think you're nuts. But, you know, it, 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 in a way, it's, it, it's, it's not arguable against your story. Tell your story. It doesn't have to be polished. In fact, sometimes it's better that it's not polished. That it's, there's, there's, there's something organic about it. You're simply saying, this is how I met Jesus Christ. And of course, if that was 20 years ago, don't just leave it 20 years ago. Say, this is the effect the Lord Jesus Christ is having on my life now. Uh, joy, particularly. I mean, the Lord said this to me years ago. Joy, said the Lord, Lord said to me, that joy is your greatest weapon as an evangelist. 
Um, you know, I mean, just imagine if I was a dull evangelist. I mean, it's a sin to be a dull evangelist. Joy, you know, the Bible says that when the Spirit lives in us, we should have joy unspeakable, and joy transcends circumstances. Even when things are bad, we can still have the, have the joy of the Lord, uh, which is a sign of contradiction, because actually instead of being in the pit of despair, we actually have a sense of joy, even in the midst of suffering. Now, that's not to say we don't suffer. We do. That's not to say um, we don't experience the knocks of life. We do. But actually, it's God's normative gift, I believe, for us, for us to be a people of joy. And, um, and I, when I was speaking at Greg Haslam's service yesterday, I was talking about things that uh, he and I had in common. And one of the things I said is we were both Calvinists with a sense of humor. And, uh, pe- and people laughed. And, and I said, if you've got Reformed theology and you're not laughing now, that's not you. And, um, and, I, and I said, Greg Haslam, is, you know, his call was to put the fun back into fundamentalism because he was a, he was a man of great joy. He, he loved the Lord and he was a man of great joy. He had a great, he's had a great, he had a great sense, he had a great sense of humour. So um, we're, we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Can we, let's flick onto that slide where it says we reap what we sow. So here's the picture. By the way, this, this picture is, uh, I bought it in Hong Kong a few years ago. It's not an original um, it's not an original uh, Van Gogh, uh, in case you were wondering. It's, but it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a mock-up of uh, Van Gogh's picture, painting of the sower. And I bought it as an evangelist to remind me to always sow the seed of, of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And one of the things that, from this is that I think this is the parabolic form of what Paul talked about when Paul talked about share the gospel in season and out of season. So, in other words, be ever ready to share the good news, Paul says, you know, in season and out of season. In other words, always. Jesus, in talking about the parable of the sower, the, the, the seed that the sower is sowing is the word of God. Jesus tells us that later on. And so what, what the sower does, he's sowing the word of God liberally. He's living out the word of God and we, we actually sow the word of God by lip and life. So yes, we speak the good news of the kingdom, but we live the good news of the kingdom. So, so, so my encouragement to you, my encouragement to myself, is live out this good news. We're not just called to speak good news, we're called to, to be good news. And there's that, there's that verse in the Bible, isn't there, where it says, make no mistake, what a person sows, so shall they reap. So we reap what we sow. And can you see underneath, it says, what are you sowing? And actually, the question isn't, are you sowing? The question is, what are you sowing? Not just, are you, what are you, what are you sowing? I heard a talk a few years ago by a policeman who was involved in forensics. And his talk was about, well, he was obviously talking about the gospel, but he was talking about how you catch criminals. And he was saying years ago, it's fingerprints. You know, but nowadays, it's a lot more sophisticated than fingerprints. Um, he said, you know, since the invention of these things, it's so much easier to catch criminals because basically what, you know, every message you send, every website you look at, every text that you send leaves a trace. And the phrase that he used that stuck in my mind was this. He said, every contact leaves a trace. So wherever you go, every contact, you know, fingerprints, uh, text that you send, every contact, con- every contact leaves a trace. And then he said, the, true is, the same is true of you as a Christian. And that's so true. Every contact leaves a trace. You will be good news or bad news. You will, you will preach good, good news or you, you potentially may say nothing or you, you, could, be, uh, you could be an ambassador of, of bad news. So the question is not are you going to sow but what are you sowing? And, 
and, and, and things have a consequence. Actions have a consequence. So me and my wife, we, uh, we, um, we're children, we have a flat on the Isle of Wight. We live in a college house in Oxford. Um, and we live, we've got a flat in the Isle of Wight. And there's a place called Robin Hill Park on the Isle of Wight. And every, every year, Robin Hill Park, they do a kind of a, a light festival, like illuminations, as it, as it comes into the autumn. And about, about two years ago, they did, they did this, the Festival of Light. And can you see it says, inspired by Diwali. And we went, me and my wife, I took my kids to this Festival of Light. And we went in the front door, and they had these huge pictures of, of Hindu deities. Diwali, as you may know, is celebrated not just by Hindus, but by Sikhs. Um, to, to, you know, we, we, love and, we love and respect our Sikh and Hindu friends. Of course we do. Um, but they're, they're a minority religion, very, very much a minority religion within the United Kingdom. And uh, anyway, this, this festival was, it said, inspired by Diwali. And as you went in, they had these huge pictures of Hindu deities. So there was Ganesh, the elephant god, and there was Vishnu, the god of evil and good. And um, so we went around this, this light festival. Anyway, on the way out, I, I went to the reception as, on the way out, and I said to the lady, I said, oh, uh, um, you know, enjoyed your festival of light. Thank you very much, she said. And I said, it's interesting you call it the festival of light. I said, because I don't know whether you know, but Jesus, Jesus, the Bible talks about Jesus as the light of the world. And I said, Hinduism and, and, and Sikhism is very small in this country, but Christianity is, the, is at, at least it's historically the religion of England, um, the, the United Kingdom. And so I said, I'm a, I'm a vicar, I'm a theologian, I teach theology at Oxford. I said, how about next year we go, we, you, you, we go for Jesus, the light of the world, as the theme? And I said, I'll be your theological consultant for free. And uh, anyway, she said, well, thank you very much, so I'll feed that in, I'll feed that offer into, into the system. And I never heard any more from her. I don't know why she was worried, maybe I'd be insensitive as a theological consultant. She didn't need to, need to worry, you know, I am seeker-sensitive. Um, that's a theological joke. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, which, which actually nobody laughed at the first service, so I don't know why I used it in the second, second service. Anyway, uh, this last year... They, the, 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 the Robin Hill Park did the, did, it, did the same thing, but they, they dropped the Hinduism, the, the Diwali thing. They just called it the Autumn Light Festival. And somebody on the Isle of Wight said to me, I wonder if it was your complaint. I wonder if, well, whatever it was, I wonder if it was your, what you said, that they actually thought, oh, well, you know, this vicar obviously wants us to do Christianity and we, we don't want to do Christianity. We'll do nothing. I mean, maybe it was that. The point is, Law and effect, you know, cause and effect is fascinating. I'm fascinated with cause and effect, um, and, and and maybe me saying what I said caused them to to drop the Diwali theme. Who, who knows? But you know, so it works positively, but it works negatively as well. So we've just been to the Isle of Wight for um, half term, and on the way out, my my girls, they love slush, and they got we got we, they got a, a big slushy each. And we'd obviously spent too long in America because we, we thought there was free refills because the, because the machine was in the middle of the boat. So we went back and we got refills. And then a lady came and told us off and said, sir, it's not free refills. You have to pay whatever, five pound, a, five pound for two or something like this. And oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyway, on the way back a week later, that notice appeared. No free refills. Please pay at the till. And I said to my wife, we got that, that's, you know, that's, uh, we've got, we got that sign put up there. You know, it, was our, it, was our thieving that, it was our thieving that caused that. Um, you know, it works both ways. It works positively, but beware, it works negatively as well. Every contact leaves a trace. So what trace are you leaving? Um, well, we are called to live out the, the Word of God, aren't we? The churches are a community of the Word and of the Spirit. I know this, that's very dear to this church. 
Um, but we're called to, to, to live out the word, the word of God. Um, I saw on a Google Maps, I think they've changed it now, but Google Maps, they had a, um, a map of St. Paul's Cathedral. Now, this actually is the... Um, who's been to St. Paul's Cathedral? Who's been inside? Only a third of you. Go in, it's great. Sir Christopher Wren's architectural masterpiece in the city of London. And this, this as you can see, it, it shows the outline of the great ecclesiastical edifice. You know, there is St. Dunstan's Chapel. There's the entrance as you go in. And there's the bit where the congregation sit. And can you see? It's called the Naive. Don't know if you can read that. It's the, the, na- the Naive. Um, so those of you who don't get that joke... Um, it should be called the nave, uh, uh, because nave is Latin navis, which means ship, and uh, Angli- traditional churches call it the nave. And if you, this is a total digression, if you go into a traditional church, if you look up, it's like the underside of a ship, if you look up, have you noticed? And if you, just imagine if all of a sudden the church turned like that, you'd be in a ship. And the church is the ship of salvation, because in the same way the ark saved people from the flood, this is a little Anglican digression, isn't it? The, sh- the church is the ship of salvation that saves people from the judgment of God. That's good, isn't it? I like a bit of ecclesiastical argument. This isn't a ship, is it? We haven't got a navy, we haven't got anything in it. But this is fine, this is a true church. We don't, we don't need the belt, we, uh, we don't need that. And now I took my kids, this is another digression, I took my kids to uh, Blackpool Tower Circus, which I used to go to as a kid. And um, there was a clown there, and he'd, he'd be cracking all his jokes. And one of his jokes, everyone was in the round in the circus, and he said, he said you know the old thing, he said, he said, here's the, here's the church, uh, he said, here's the church, here's the steeple, and look inside, and there isn't anyone there because of the effects of secularism, he said, and... Uh, I, la- I laughed at that. I, thought, I mean, it was sad. It was sad but true, you know, in terms of here's someone cracking jokes about, you know, here, you know the old thing, here's the church, here's the steeple, look inside, and here's the people. Do you remember that's what it was? Anyone remember that? Anyway. And, uh, but obviously he said there's nobody inside because of the effects of, of, um, of, of secularism. And um, anyway, we, we sit, I've, I really have gone off on a tangent there. We sit, this is where the people sit, and it, I, I laughed because it was the naive. Can we flick on the next side? Because it, naive, it says, generally speaking, uh, to be naive means you do not think, you do not think enough People who are naive tend to believe whatever they're told. Do you know, that's what a lot of people think we are as Christians. They think that Christians are naive. Uh, we just believe anything we're told. You know, with a great, with a great gullible. You know, maybe we come on a Sunday morning for a kind of spiritual placebo and uh, maybe it feels us better, but it's not true. But actually, we know different. We know that God has spoken supremely in his son, Jesus Christ, and actually he's spoken through his word, the, the scriptures, um, I saw this at a, a railway station. It was obviously a, ch- a church had decided to pay to have some scripture put up in the railway station. You know, some, they paid for some Bible. And, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But, look, somebody's obviously, someone from the railway station slapped on. So it says, Jesus said, rail replacement bus services to all destinations this way. Well, Jesus didn't say that, did he? What Jesus said is what we've been thinking about um, this, this morning. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow. He said lots of things, but the thing we're thinking about today is a sower uh, went out to sow. So are we sowing the kingdom? That's the title of the sermon today, the talk today. Are we sowing the kingdom? If we're not sowing the kingdom, we might be sowing something else. You know, not, not if we sow, it's what we sow. Are we sowing the kingdom? Are we living out the gospel by lip and life? One of my favourite quotes by the, 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 the cricketer, famous English cricketer turned missionary, C.T. Studd, and he said this, he said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Isn't that challenging? You know, are we living our life for an audience of one? Are we living our lives in such a way that we are carriers of the presence of God? 
Well, the story that Jesus told, he talks about three different, um, sorry, rather, he talks about the sower sowing the seed, and he talks about it falling on different pieces of ground and four responses. So here it is, verse four, he says, he says, um, a farmer went out to sow his seed, verse five, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, the birds ended up, some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Um, others' seed fell on the thorns, which grew up um, when it w- and it was choked by plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than that which was sown. That's exponential growth. Now, Jesus then says, verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. We've already noted that, haven't we? The seed is the word of God. And and we are, all called, we are all called to be sowers, sowers of the, the word of God, those, those who live out the gospel in lip and life. But what I want to foc- focus on um, is, is, is four different responses that are, that, are, that are possible. And the first one is ineffectual hearers. Um, Jesus said this. He said, the, uh, the, one of the, the seed, it says, um, uh, fell, fell onto the path, he says, verse 12. Um, and he says, these are the ones who hear... Uh, they hear the gospel, and then the devil comes and takes away the word of God from their hearts so they may not believe it and be saved. So Jesus says one response is, is what I've called ineffectual hearers. People hear the word, the word of God. They hear the gospel, but then as soon as they hear it, the devil, says Jesus, snatches away the word from their hearts and they don't believe it and they're not, they're not saved. And Winston Churchill famously said this, um, many men stumble across the truth, but most pick themselves up and carry on as if nothing had, had happened. You know, we're not as Christians, are we? We're not those those people. But some people, some people do that. So uh, I just said that we were on the Isle of Wight for for half term, and my wife doesn't like me doesn't like me um, doing evangelism on my holiday. But I, sometimes I can't help myself. And we went to this nature reserve with my two girls, two little girls, and I got talking to this lady for about half an hour, probably longer. Um, and um, and it, this lady, she'd been on the Isle of Wight most of her life, and she was a lifelong Methodist. She'd gone to the Methodist church every week, well, not during COVID, but apart from that, every week for 50 years. And I said to her, I didn't get the sense that she knew the Lord, um, even though she was a churchgoer. So I said, are you a Christian? Which may seem a strange strange question to ask somebody who, who's a lifelong church-going Methodist. Are you a Christian? And she hesitated. And, uh, and I said, why are you hesitating? And she said this, she said, well, everybody's a Christian. And she said, I go, to, I go to church. And she said, there are some people there who are not very nice people. And he said, I know, I know, I know, um, I know atheists who are very nice, you know, very nice people. So everybody's a Christian. So I said to her, I said, well, you know, I've got atheist friends and they would be quite offended by that because, you know, they're, they're proud of their atheism. They wouldn't want to be told that you are a Christian. I said, you wouldn't want to offend them, would you? And she said, oh, no, no, I wouldn't want to offend them. And um, so I played the woke card slightly because, you know, she, she you know, she, you know, because people don't want to offend anybody these days. You know, I pray for a great awakening, but I fear that we're having a great awakening uh, around, around, the, around the country. But um, anyway, so she backed off and said, no, no. But she said, everybody's a Christian. And then I, I said, look, the founder of your denomination, John Wesley, would disagree with what you've said. And I used John Wesley to share the gospel with this Methodist lady. And as I shared the gospel, do you know she got more hostile? She actually... You know, I, I, you know, I broke off the conversation. I didn't, you know, don't want to. Uh, but, but she got more hostile. So she hardened, you see. So, so basically, she was hearing the gospel from me, but she actually, even though she was a churchgoer, she wasn't interested in what is the gospel. She was 
whatever else she believed, but she was just, she was just a church-going Methodist. You know, some people will be, sadly, ineffectual hearers. Okay, the, the second category um, says Jesus are what we might call, what I've called, fair-weather disciples. So a fair-weather disciples, verse 13, that's those, this is the, the, those people who are um, on rocky ground. Uh, those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They, be, they believe for a time, but in the time of testing, they will fall away. So these people, Jesus likens it to rocky ground, they receive the word with joy, but they're not rooted. Um, so perhaps they're converts and not disciples. You know, they're not disciples. There's no, they don't, there's no root. Uh, they believe uh, for a while, but when it comes to uh, testing, they'll fall away. So um, uh, early, early in the autumn, I went on a conference for evangelists in a hotel. There was about a dozen of us there. And um, the hotel manager was, was, was serving us, and we went into this drawing room after the meal, and a group of us, uh, as evangelists, we all shared stories of, of God at work, testimonies. And faith went through the roof. That's the beauty of testimony, isn't it? Faith, faith rises. And at the end, we prayed, we prayed together, and we sang a song. And later, unbeknown to us, the hotel manager had been listening to us in the next room. He'd been clearing away the... The, 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 the dishes and he'd been he'd been listening to story after story of people who who had you know of God at work and and then he said when we sang that song the worship song he began to cry he began to cry so the spirit of God fell on him he began to cry and so so, so basically then there was an almighty fight between the evangelists as who to lead him to Jesus so I said way I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it anyway this guy called Mark Greenwood he's an Elim evangelist he sort of he led him led him to Christ anyway I talked to this bloke and, um, and, and he, he, I prayed with him, prophesied over him, and he basically uh, was, bolt, was, bolt, was bolt away, he was, cr- was crying. But afterwards, he, he added me on various social media things, and I messaged him, and I got no reply. And then I messaged him again, and I think I've messaged him three times, and there's no reply. Now, it may well be the guy's really busy, um, and let's pray that this isn't the case, but it could be that actually he, he received the word with joy, but he didn't continue. Who knows why? There could be multiple reasons. Jesus cites suffering, which is one, you know, when we, when we experience suffering. It, it could be that. Well, let's pray that that's not the case. Pray that that man, the, 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 Lord, the Lord who began a good work in him, may carry it on until the, the day of, of completion. But actually, some people are fair-weather disciples. Um, you know, they, they, they give their life to Jesus Christ, but actually when difficulties come, they, they, they stop being disciples. Okay, number three is what we uh, might call um, uh, what we might call uh, worldly dis- disciples. So, Category, category three, Jesus says the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked with life's worries, with riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So notice, Jesus doesn't say they're not Christians. He says they are immature. And you know, I've come to the conclusion if I'm, you know, that the church is full of immature believers. It's full of worldly, worldly disciples. You know, we used to say, when I was a boy, people used to say, you've got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That was a thing that people used to say when I was a kid. But um, I think the church is full, sadly, of, of worldly disciples. And um, let me uh, talk about another guy that I, I led to the Lord um, in the past year. And uh, let's call him Josh. Let's change his name. Call him Josh. And I met with him a few months ago. And I said to him, Josh, how are you doing as a Christian? And he said, I, I, since we've met, he said, I went to church once. He said, you told me to go to church and I went to church, and it was boring. He said, I'm not going again. It's boring. He says, middle class in boring. So, okay. 
And then he went to tell me he was, you know, sleeping around, doing drugs, this kind of stuff. So, so this guy, he's not progressing as a, a Christian and, um, because he doesn't want to give up. He doesn't want to, you know, certain lifestyle issues. He doesn't want to give up. So it's like he's a worldly disciple. So I basically, uh, as I met with him, I, I basically, um, as a pastor, I, I basically gave him a little bit of a kick up the backside. Not physically, of course, metaphorically. Um, but sometimes shepherds kick the sheep, metaphorically speaking, of course. You know, we need that. We need a bit of a, a rebuke and admonishment, don't we? So this guy was what you might call a worldly disciple. Okay, the fourth and final category is what you might call, what I call, disciple-making disciples. And that's interesting because John and I met and chatted for a few hours last night. And that phrase, John used that phrase, disciple-making disciples. And he didn't know that was in my notes. I didn't put it in. This was already in my notes for the talk today. And, and let's see what Jesus says. He says, but the seed... Uh, this seed, the fourth type of seed, fell on good soil, and it stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Jesus is talking about disciples who produce disciples, disciples who bear much fruit. And, and that's the call for all of us. You know, We're all called to be disciple-making disciples. Are you a disciple-making disciple? Are you a radical follower of Jesus Christ who is deeply in love with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit so that you are living out the kingdom of God and making a difference in this world in which we live. Now that's going to look very different for each one of you. You know, I'm an evangelist, it has a particular outworking for me. Whatever your gift is, it's going to have an outworking for you. One of the joys for me of being an evangelist is not so much leading people to Jesus, is sometimes bumping into them 5, 10, 15, 20 years later and saying, you know, uh, you prayed for me and, and, and you led me to Christ. And last time I came to preach here in this church, I met Rachel. Rachel, and one, one of the Rachels, uh, this, this Rachel here became a Christian when I preached a sermon in Oxford, St. Aldate's Oxford, the Lion King. And this Rachel, I was a curate in Hazelme and became a Christian after I preached that. Do you know, you, you two sisters, that did me so much good. That, that blessed me. That blessed my cotton socks off. Um, because, you know, I thought you know, it was great leading people to Jesus. But actually, to see that you have become disciple-making disciples, you're living out your faith in, you're living out your faith in the community of the church, um, that's, that's what it's about. We're called to be disciple-making disciples. This is Jack. I'm coming into land. Jack is a disciple-making disciple. I had the privilege of leading Jack to Christ um, uh, in April. I was preaching at a church on the Isle of Wight, and Jack gave his life to Jesus Christ. And um, I've, I've met with Jack since, and Jack is going great guns for the Lord. He's part of a, he wouldn't mind me saying, he's part of a group, Narcotics Anonymous, and he, he, when, he, when, he, when he talks at this group, his Narcotics Anonymous group, he says, he says to his group, he said, this higher power, his name is Jesus. He says, I've come to know Jesus. This guy's on fire. Um, the second time I met him, he said, oh, do you know, Greg, he said, this morning, he said, I had a weird experience. He said, I was, I was in the shower, and he said, and I, I, I started laughing from the deep within my belly. He said, I started laughing and crying, and the Holy Spirit was all over me. He had no idea what was happening. I said, oh, don't worry, that's happened to me. That's, not very often. Um, but it has happened to me once or twice. And I said, I think the Lord's healing you. This guy is so full of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he is becoming already, he only became a Christian in April. Was it May, June, July, August, September, October, November? Six, seven months. He is a disciple-making disciple. We're called to be disciple-making dis- disciples. So four responses then. Ineffectual hearers, fair weather, disciples, worldly disciples, or disciple-making disciples. What kind are you? Uh, we're called to be disciple-making disciples. Um, to use the agrarian metaphor, which Jesus uses about sowing the seed, some of you remember that old hymn, don't you? We plough the fields and scatter. You probably don't sing that in the King's Church. You probably, do, you probably don't have Harvest Festival here, do you? No, good. It's religion. It's religion. 
we in the Church of England, we do religion pretty well. And um, we, uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. And um, remember, we, remember school, we plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the land. Remember this? For it is fed and watered by God's Almighty. Anyway, the point of it is, is we, we scatter the seed, the seed, but God gives the increase. It's fed and watered by God's almighty hand. Now, if that's true of plants, of course it's true of the gospel. We plough the fields and scatter, but God gives the increase. So God is the great evangelist. One of my favourite titles for God is the Lord of the Harvest. So don't think, you know, I've got to do this in my own strength. I'm a failure. Can I do this? No, 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 no. Don't think any of that. You know, God is the great evangelist. We plough the fields and scatter. He gives the increase. So all I would say is sow the seed. Whatever, the, whatever seed, what seed is in your hand, sow it. Sow it liberally. Scatter it abroad. Sow the seed. And, and sometimes it's as simple as a kind word, a loving gesture. I, was, I had a little tear to my eye earlier with the kids thing. You know, and the, and the, little, boy, the little boy who said he wrote to his neighbour and she wrote this card. And do you remember that woman? She said, I had a tear in my eye. She said, sorry, I had a tear in my eye. One of my favourite verses in Evangelist is it's the kindness of God that leads men and women to repentance. Would that we had more kind Christians in the church. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. We've run out of time. Uh, but two, two quick prayers. And one is... A quick prayer. Anyone here who thinks you might be an evangelist, and what do I mean by an evangelist? Somebody you think you might have a primary gifting as an evangelist. Now, again, you may never, you may never ever get paid for it or work for a church, but you know, you might be a doctor, lawyer, teacher, housewife, but you think you've got a primary gifting in evangelism. You may never have thought that until this morning. You may have thought, hey, that's me. I think I'm an evangelist. Okay, if that's you, I just want to pray for you quickly at the end. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I'll be. Uh, well, if you're in, if you're in doubt, stick it. Stick your hand. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, uh, everything to gain. Stick your hand up. I'd be very proud if you became an evangelist, Rachel. So, um, uh, so put your hand up if uh, you think God's called you to be an evangelist. So a few more than in the morning service. You're obviously a better, better congregation than the morning congregation. Let me just pray for, you, pray for you. If those of you nearby, just lay a hand on. Just lay a hand on. We like to, God speaks through you, laying on hands. Lay a, lay a hand on. Um, so Father, we thank you for these sisters and brothers that feel that they may be, that maybe they knew, maybe they've known for years uh, that they are evangelists. Now, Father, I pray that you ignite that gift within them, Lord. I pray for them as an evangelist, like Paul prayed for Timothy, where Timothy said, stir up the gift that's within you. Well, as as an evangelist myself, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Just be open to the Holy Spirit now. Come Holy Spirit, stir up the gift. Pray for these these sisters here, this brother here, this sister here, this sister here, um, this brother here. Everyone who's raised their hand, and even one or two people, maybe who've not, who are a bit scared. But Lord, you blast them now by your Holy Spirit. Good theological word. Blast them by your Holy Spirit. Fill them to overflowing, Lord, because we can't give away what we haven't got. And Lord, give them boldness. One of the one of the characteristics of an evangelist is being a bold person. Give them boldness. We pray. And may these ones be a prophetic irritant to this church. And uh, may the eldership not mind me praying that. May they be a prophetic irritant to the church because evangelists are there to be a prophetic irritant to, to, so that we all get provoked into doing the work of evangelism even though we're not all evangelists. So Father, fill them with your Holy Spirit. But may they bear much fruit, Lord. Surprise them, Lord, even. In Jesus' name, amen. But the other, the other category is some of you, and most of you are not evangelists, but some of you have been challenged by what I said and thought, I would like to do the work of evangelism. Okay, I'm not an evangelist, but I would like to be more effective 
as a witness. Okay, let's use that word witness. We're all called to be witnesses. We're not all called to be evangelists. Some of you weren't. Some of you were terrified. Some of you will avoid me during the coffee hour, thinking I don't, just, I don't want to go near him. Um, when I was a, a, a student trained to be a vicar, my, my vice principal said to me, uh, we know the church needs evangelists, but you just wouldn't want to have one around for dinner. And uh, that, didn't, that didn't bless me. But uh, anyway, but, but, uh, but if you, you, you're here and you think, well, I, I want to I be more effective as an evangelist. And it could be gossiping the gospel. You could be a, a, a mom and you, you could say, I want to gossip the gospel at the school gate. Gossip the gospel at the school gate. And um, this woman, she's prime, this woman who the card went to, the neighbor, she's prime for that now. She's, she's had a heart moved by kindness and uh, she's, she's ready for the next uh, gospel encounter, I would say. And uh, so, Lord, save her and the neighbor, all the neighbors. And, um, but, or you could say, I, you know, when I said that thing about testimony, you could say, I want to I wanna use my testimony. Uh, this is what Jesus Christ has done for me. Jesus Christ has changed my life or whatever. Okay, put your hand up if that's you and you want to, you want to be more effective as an evangelist. So, Father, I pray for these, um, these other sisters and brothers here who are brave enough, brave enough to uh, say that they want to, to be used as, uh, as a witness. And, and uh, the word for you, I think, and I said it in the first service, say it here, is I think the Lord would say to you, step out of your comfort zone and into the kingdom zone. So we, we so often, you know, by the way, feeling the fear isn't bad. You might find it hard to believe. I sometimes get the collie wobbles. I sometimes go, oh, I can't do it. And then I, do you know what I do? I, I saw a book once. I feel the fear and do it anyway. It was a self-help book I saw in a shop. I thought, well, that's good. I'll, 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 I'll use that. Fear the fear. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Do it anyway. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Uh, so feel that. I would say that to you. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Step out of your comfort zone. And when you do, you may just find that you're stepping into the kingdom zone. Because faith, John Wimber said, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Risk. Faith is spelled risk. So Father, I pray these dear ones who've got their hands up now, may they take risks for the kingdom. May they step out of the, their comfort zone. And I pray for them, as they step out of their comfort zone, Lord, may they find themselves in the kingdom zone. And I pray, Lord, for doors of opportunity, not just for this group of people, but for the evangelists earlier too. I pray for doors of opportunity to open in the next few days and weeks that these people might be surprised. They might be around the water cooler and somebody says to them, what did you do on Sunday? And that's your, that's your door to say, I, you know, I went to hear this crazy, crazy vicar with a flowery shirt and I don't know, you can say anything, say anything you want. But tell them, tell them that you, you know, come out of the closet uh, if, you're in a, if you're in the closet. Come out of the closet as be, of being a Christian and, uh, and say, and say I, I went to church and it was great, uh, if you thought it was great. And um, so Father, just give doors of opportunity for these ones and, and whatever it is, Give them the words to say. And I would say, say, you know, say anything. You know, if you're stuck of what, just say anything. Anything's almost better than nothing. It'd be very difficult for you to mess this up. Just say anything. And um, uh, anything that pops into your head, because it may well be the Holy Spirit. So, Father, give these, these dear ones doors of opportunity. And may they be links in the chain. Even if these people don't become Christians there and then by the water fountain. What, here, here is the water fountain. What doth prevent me from being baptised? Someone may not say that to you there and then. But it doesn't matter. Be a link in a chain. And, and just pray that that person might have another gospel encounter. And you could be gospel encounter number one. And then by gospel encounter number four, they bow the knee to Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray from, from this ministry now, even though it's been rushed and quick, you might bear much fruit, fruit that will last, fruit for eternity. And, Lord, we worship you. That's what we say at the end. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. You are the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. We love you, Lord. We know we can't give away what we haven't got. So, so, so Lord, set our hearts on fire with love for you. Again, my, one of my favourite things from John Wesley is when he was asked, how, how did he preach so well? You know what he said? He said, I set myself on fire 
and people come and watch me burn. I set myself on fire and people come and watch me burn. Father, set us on fire, we pray, with love for you, with the kindness, Lord, of God. And may we bear much fruit, fruit that will last. And Lord, use this church as a revival centre in this town, this town of High Wycombe. We pray for revival. I, I, pray, I pray for everywhere I've ever administered. So I regularly pray for High Wycombe because I pray for everywhere that's been stupid enough to employ me as a vicar. And so I regularly pray for High Wycombe. So send revival and use, use this church, we pray. To your praise and glory we ask it. Amen.